0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, this is Jim. And this is Max. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs player analysis, game
1: breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband,
0: and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Welcome into the QB SCO show. This is episode number eight brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. As always here to break down with me, the opposing enemy quarterbacks for the week here on the QBSCO show, quarterback one in my heart. He is Mark Schofield. Mark, how you doing, brother?
2: I'm getting by, buddy. I'm getting by. This is one of those weeks. It's sort of winter break. And so you got the kids home with you. And the first couple of days, they're they're fun to be with, they're playing with their toys, but we get to that stretch where they start to turn on each other, and it's like <laughs> survival of the fittest down there, and I'm just waiting for any second now for there to be screaming because either my son has just shot one of the, the rockets on his Lego X-Wing fighter, which I spent all day yesterday putting together at my daughter's eye, or she has taken one of his Beyblades and thrown it at his head. Both of those <laughs> things have actually happened this week, but... Yeah. Since it is the QB Sco show, we do have to start with a little bit of a historical reference. We're recording this on Friday, December 28th. And did you know, Michael, that on this day in 1895, the world's first commercial movie screening took place at the Grand Café in Paris? The film was made by Louis and Auguste Luminaire, two French brothers who developed a camera projector. And they showed a series of short scenes from everyday French life and charged a mission for the very first time. And what's fascinating about that is spin that ahead tw- 25 years years ago. So back in – well, do the math. Somebody do the math for me. What, 1998 (laughs) or whatever? Yeah, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. Tombstone premiered this week and 25 years ago, which anybody who out there who follows me on Twitter knows that that is one of my personal favorites. And it gave us the name Doc Holliday, who, by the way, if you're interested, Doc Holliday is now the coach of Marshall and he is going to be speaking at the Mid-Atlantic Nike Coach of the Year Clinic among other luminaries (laughs) – See what we just did there? Tie that into the way yeah. we began as Major Applewhite, who in the promo picture, Mike, you saw today on, on Twitter. I, I was tweeting it out. He looks like a kid playing grown-up in his dad's suit. Anyway, there's a whole bunch <laughs> of facts and knowledge and even current events for you to kick off this episode of the QB Scotia Show.
0: It's interesting. Those photos that you sent me of that lineup, just there's something, there's a story behind there every single really one of them.
2: really is. And, you know, we were sort of spinning it in the group DM like, because you've got James Franklin in there, who we thought looks like a day trader, who's just crushing it in the boiler room. And you're pretty sure he's doing something shady, but the returns have been great, so you're not going to tell anybody. There's Dana Holderson, who looks like he's like one more Red Bull away from the heart, just giving out, man. I mean, he's just wild. Always. Although, Rummy. If you guys follow, um, what's his name? Rumford Johnny. He, he's at Rumford Johnny on Twitter. He, he's a DFS guy. He's great. He responded to that. Still crazy that a young Vern Morrison is still coaching the Mountaineers, which I thought was a perfect way to describe how Dana Holgers looks in that photo. There's the aforementioned dog Holiday, who, like you said, it looks like he's afraid the cam- that the camera was going to steal his essence. And then there's Dead Mullin at Florida who we thought looked like somebody who was just asking for just a little bit more seed money for the good of you and all of the church. I mean it's just – it's fantastic, this five-man photo array. There's just – you could write epic, epic poetry about this photo.
0: You guys got to check that out on Mark's timeline at Go Field. But look, we're not here to talk about cameras stealing Essence and boiler rooms and all this stuff. We're here to talk about this week 17 matchup between the Washington Redskins and the Philadelphia Eagles. And Mark, because this matchup with the opposing quarterback this week is pretty uninspiring, we're going to go off format for this show a little bit we're going to change it up. So not only are we going to talk about current Redskins starting quarterback Josh Johnson, but we're also going to get into some Nick Foles talk. And we're also going to play Nick Foles' press conference from Thursday because I thought it was so darn good and refreshing. But first order of business, Josh Johnson on his 12th NFL team of his career I'm not sure if that's Is accurate that I may have lost count I, I, I don't know to be honest with you I, I mean good for him for continuing I mean, to get a paycheck it's like
2: Crash Davis style you know Been kicking <laughs> around for years and years
0: yeah and he's not the most exciting guy to talk about but I'll tell you this much up until the very last play of the Titans game in week 16 that thing was a one score game which ended up being uh, there was a desperation throw six 16 seconds left it was and it goes back for six and there were some positives in that game for Johnson before that. I thought for what we expected of him, I thought it really wasn't all that bad for him. What what have you thought about him so far for this Redskins offense?
2: What's interesting is you remember a couple of weeks ago when we sort of talked about the Colt McCoy version of the Washington okay. Redskins. You and I were both pretty surprised at how aggressive Jay Gruden stayed in the past game. You would sort of expect, look, they're going to show you stick, slant, flat, Carl flat, a couple of other concepts, and that's what they're going to do. No, 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 sir. You know, Gruden (laughs) stays aggressive. You know, their first pass game play of the game against Tennessee, it was sort of a slow development. Looks like Flood, almost looks like Yankee, but the crosser like breaks vertically. Another sort of very aggressive passing concept. Um, They had a third and eight. They go seven route to the number three receiver to the trips when they've got sort of an in cut and a pivot route from the one and two receivers, respectively. So they stayed pretty aggressive. Aggressive with him. And like you said, absent the two mistakes at the end, one the pick six on a desperation type throw. The other, which looked to be a miscommunication between him and the receiver, it looks like he was expected to receive to stay up vertically on the seam, receiver sort of throttled down, leads to a pick. You know, he played a fairly clean game. The decision-making is very slow. Hmm. There are a lot of times when he doesn't see the concept come open when he should and that he's forced to sort of buy time and scramble. He turns a lot of plays into scramble drill situations when he doesn't need to. But for the fact that he's basically their fourth-string quarterback, and as of a couple of weeks ago, was going to be played in the Alliance of American Football, whatever that is, I mean, I think it's pretty impressive what he's done. I don't expect him to sort of go out and light the world on fire, but he's got the potential to put up a couple of big plays against any sort of defense, including the Eagles.
0: Yeah, it was interesting, because I was going to ask you if they're doing anything differently with him, because they've gone from Alex Smith to Colt McCoy to Mark Sanchez, and now Josh Johnson, and Gruden's like, you know what? I'm not putting handcuffs on my quarterback. We're going for it, and I respect it, no matter what the results are. I, I got to respect yeah. that.
2: And I think you know, interestingly enough, you know, the, the play to sort of watch with him to see where he is right now as a quarterback. It's a play near the start of the second quarter, the 12:21 mark. It's a third and four, and they've got sort of a slot fade concept dialed up, and it's there for six. Mm. The guy is open. He doesn't see it. He opens to it, doesn't see it open, doesn't trust it for whatever reason. Then he goes to the left, then he turns back to the right, turns into a scramble draw situation, forces a throw, and it's incomplete. If he's decisive enough on that play, it's six. And so that's going to be the concern for the Eagles is that, look, there are plays that he's leaving on the field. If he hits just one or two of those, it changes the course of the game. So you've got to make sure that coverage is there because he's missing stuff that if he sees it, he can hit it for a big play. So do you feel like Johnson is a guy
0: that you blitz to rattle or a guy that you lay off a little bit and just say, hey, we're going to give you certain things short. We're not going to give you those deep looks. You're going to have to execute for 12, for 15 plays in a drive, and any hiccup is going to stall you out. How do you think, based on the strengths and weaknesses of Johnson, regardless of what we know about Jim Schwartz's low blitz frequency, uh, what do you think is the best plan of attack for Johnson?
2: Yeah, that's an interesting question, Mike. And I I think – Looking at the deficiencies that we're seeing from him from a play speed, process, and speed, diagnose, decipher, and decide situation here, I don't think you blitz him because I think, you know, if you blitz a quarterback, you would give him the easy read, the hot read, the quick throw, the check down, whatever it is in that certain play structure that he knows, okay, well, if this guy comes or if this guy comes, this is what I got to do. You know, you almost speed up the decision making processes and make it easier for them. That's why I've always been of the mind that, you know, when you're facing young quarterbacks who also typically are a bit slower making up their mind, why make it easy for them? You try mm-hmm. to confuse them, you drop seven, you drop eight, you give them different looks, you make them to- sort of have to really try and decide and decipher and diagnose what the defense is doing in terms of rotating coverages, rolling coverages of the snaps. So he has to decide, look, is that three, is that four, is that cone five, whatever the coverage is. And so I think that should be the game plan with him. Don't make his decision-making process easier. Don't speed up his process speed because, artificially, via the blitz, drop seven, drop eight, try to confuse him with post-snap looks being different than pre-snap looks, and sort of Confuse him so we see more of him missing those opportunities downfield.
0: Yeah, I agree. You have to kind of make him think. Mark, let's talk about the other quarterback in this game. You may have heard of him. His name is Nick Foles. He's been the starter for the past two weeks in two big wins. In fact, those wins were the most quality wins by the Eagles team this year. I thought the Rams game wasn't his best. There were some very good moments from quarters one to three and fourth quarter. I thought he struggled a bit. But the Texans game, which wasn't perfect, but the duel between him and Deshaun Watson was a blast. And overall, I thought it was a really excellent performance from Foles, who just doesn't seem rattled by anything. What have you seen from Foles so far from your perspective?
2: He doesn't seem rattled. And sort of the difference between him and, say, a Josh Johnson, for example, obviously, look, once the backup quarterback has won a Super Bowl. Yeah, there's a guy that was on his 12th team like we pointed out. Look at the the, the difference sort of between process of speed and decision-making time between these two quarterbacks. And you want a prime example of it from Nick Foles. You look at that early touchdown on that swing route, that fourth and two play. Immediately deciphered what a defense is doing. Taking advantage of it because it's got the double slant rub concept wheel route from the running back. He's able to hit that on the fly perfect throw. They hit that kind of design a couple of times in that game. But it's that sort of quick thinking, quick decision-making that has enabled Foles to make some of these big plays. And you're right, that duel between him and Watson was fantastic to watch. You know, Foles made some gutty throws at the you know in the end of that game. That throw to Jeffrey obviously was a big one, you know, late in the game, taking the hit, getting knocked out for a couple of plays. I yeah. think it was just one play, but still took a shot on that play, but delivered. And then a couple of plays later, you saw something similar where they run that sort of flood concept to the right. And Ertz, he his Guys get picked off. You know, Matthew gets tripped up with Zach Cunningham, who's trying to cover the running back out of the backfield because he's been burned cool. by it a couple of times. Those two guys yeah. collide. It opens up that out route to Ertz. He drops it in there again, taking advantage of something, making that quick decision. So that's the thing with falls. And what's interesting, about, I was asked, I was on radio in Vancouver yesterday, And they asked me, you know, what is it with Foles? And I've been thinking about it since I got asked that question. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's that process and speed. He's just a little bit ahead of where Wentz is right now in terms of process and speed. And that's enabled him to make some of these plays. doesn't mean that Wentz won't get there. Remember, he's a younger quarterback. But it's just right now that process and speed might be the difference between the two.
0: Yeah, and in the past three weeks to the offense in general, you've seen the offense plan to get the ball quicker out of the hands. Week 14 with Dallas with Wentz and the last two weeks with Foles just lightning fast. Each week they've placed in the top five for time to throw for their quarterback. So it seems like they're making things easier too, but I would agree that Foles is faster right now in his mental processing and also seeing things early in the game, applying them later in the game to his process pre-snap and post-snap has been A big plus for him. Mark, kind of a short show on this one because Josh Johnson, the whole Josh Johnson of it all. Right. What I do need from you before we kick it over to this press conference is a prediction from you. So what do you think from this game? Do you think Washington has a chance with Josh Johnson at the helm?
2: I mean, I think Washington has a chance, but I think if you look at this game right now, you have one team that's got everything to play for and another team that's got reservations to make for their vacations. And so whenever you get that sort of type of atmosphere – it's hard to believe that Washington is going to do enough to pull this game out. I mean, most of those guys are probably already on the golf course, at least mentally. Um, maybe Josh Johnson certainly has something to play for, but he might have already showed that, look, he's got a shot at you know, sticking around with an NFL team next year, given what he's shown so far on the field. And so I, I think Philadelphia wins this and then it, you know, it's up to whether the Bears can sort of help them out and they get the help that they need elsewhere.
0: So Nick Foles, and we're going to kick it to this press conference here because I I really think this is great. This was on Thursday. And what struck me about this session was that this was more about Nick Foles and who he was as a person, not necessarily as a player. There are moments where... There are anecdotes that relate to football, and he's talking about football directly, but that's really not the core message here. This is Nick Foles, the person. And so often, as analysts, we boil things down to how a person performed as a player. We highlight their ups, their downs, and what we might think is behind the why of it. But it's typically through a football lens. We often forget the human element but that's why i found what Foles said was so interesting it's not often that you get a professional athlete that bears themselves like he does sharing his fears his failures staring them in the face talking about how they impact him in life and on the football field and look this is just great life advice in here as well so we're going to kick it over to that press conference that nick Foles had on thursday right now we'll be right back
2: over the weekend you spoke about how special
0: Philadelphia is to you. And I know you're very much a team-oriented guy, but you've accomplished a lot in this calendar year alone, in the beginning and over the past couple of weeks. Do you ever think about how special you've become to this sports community and the impact that you've had on the sports community here?
1: Not really. Um, I, I think more so just about um, just the, the people. Like I talk about the city and how much it means to my family and me and just the experiences and a lot of it you know won't even be realized for us till years down the road till we can really reflect because it has been a lot in the last calendar year um it just sort of rolled on um but no not necessarily about me like what i've done it's more so about what the city's done and just how they've always welcomed me since i was a, a young rookie drafted here Um, by Andy Reid's regime and then just you know being fortunate to play here for a couple years and you know have the opportunity to come back here and play in the city Um, I know I've said it before but I never expected that it doesn't happen that often Um, you know getting having the opportunity to raise my young daughter here for you know she's a year and a half now so she's really a a north a northeasterner girl right now so um, it's just been a joy so those are the things I, I really think about Wanting to stay in the moment, but you're also a human. You also know that you don't control your own destiny. How do you stop yourself from kind of looking
0: up at the scoreboard
1: during the game this week? Um, looking up at the scoreboard. Um, I think the thing is just being aware of it. I mean, it's taken me 28, 29 years of my life to really get to the point of like playing that way and, you know, sort of focusing on that in life. Um, you know, it's like my, my dad said that, you know, growing up, don't worry about the score. And I, I didn't always listen, you know. I you know, stubborn, and, you know, you just want to play, you look at the score, and then it does affect you somehow how you play. Um, But I think that just, like I say, staying in the moment, um, you know, it talks about that in the Bible, just, you know, tomorrow have its own problems, own anxieties, just focus on the day. Today has its own troubles. So there's a lot of things that we, that go on through the course of the day. And if we're focused on the future, we really can't address what's going on right now. And then we become so overwhelmed with everything to where we can't even function. So what I try to do is I try to simplify it in my head and really just hone in on the moment so I can be the best me in that moment and be genuine to where, you know what, I'm going to give everything I can, and then at the end of it, I know I, I was present, and that's all that matters.
0: so much about that, the idea
1: that, that you want to be present in the moment? Was there a period, a time in your life where, where that wasn't so easy that, that you had to, to learn how to do that? I mean, I still have to remind myself. Um, it's not, you know, I, I think that, you know, there's times where, You get overwhelmed. You you get you get excited thinking about all the different things you want to do, all the different things you want to accomplish, and you know, starting from when I was a kid to you know now. And then, some days, like if you feel really good, you can handle it all. But then there's days you don't feel good and it overwhelms you. And what I've learned is, you know, like I'll have a plan for the day of what I want to attack, but it'll be a list of what I need to do. And it really go down the list and stay in the moment on that list. And that's what helped me. And that's trial and error from, you know, whether it's, you know, in college where you have all these different things you got to study for and you look and I look at it at once. I'm like, I can't do this as opposed to, all right, I'm going to start with this, you know, subject right now. And this is all I'm going to worry about in the moment. And then we'll go on from there. And by the end of it, you've studied appropriately, you've done it all. And, you know, you're successful. But once again, this is all things that I'm still learning. I don't have it conquered. And why do you think this offense is playing its best football this season right now? Um, you know, we just continue to work at it. Um, the players, the coaches, uh, we continue to look at the film. We continue to work through the plays. Um, the relationships in the locker room, um, you know, we, we've shown spurts throughout the year. We just haven't been able to put everything together. I think what it shows is just everyone continue to believe in one another. Everyone continue to work uh, with one another. And I think that, you know, right now, you know, you want to peak at the right time. Of course, you want to play well every single game of the season. Um, but, you know, we've continued to excel at every point of the season. And, you know, we just have to keep focusing on that.
0: You keep learning day after day. But in your professional life, was there a point where you said, I've gotten better at this, incrementally better?
1: Um, I mean, I was sort of, you know, I was forced to basically do it with last year's situation um, because it was, you know, it's a big stage. There's a lot going on. And, you know, I realized I needed to hone in and, if, and when I did just focus on the simple things in the day, like though that everything should be overwhelming me, it wasn't. And it was actually peaceful. Um playing in the Super Bowl, it was a big stage of scenario, like it's really big stage, but I remember staying in the moment, not worrying about the clock, not worrying about the score, and just staying in the moment when the play was called, just getting in the huddle, just just reminding myself that it was it was peaceful. Which it shouldn't be, but it was. And then, you know, from then on, you know, I've made the mistake of not doing that, then getting back into it. So it's very recent that I, I have understood that. It took me a long time to realize it. And I still, like I said, haven't figured it out. I still am, you know, every day. I still get overwhelmed. I still, at times, there's anxiety that comes in. I'm a human, but I've learned how to handle them and revert back and get back to that calm and that peace and what it takes. And, you know, that's something that. You know, from here on, you know, sharing that with people, sharing that with kids, uh, being able to, you know, my wife and I are fortunate to have more kids, you know, being able to share that with them. I think that, you know, that'll help them as they grow.
0: Last year, you documented it and the coaches documented it. They, Frank Reich and the coaches looked through all of your best plays in your career, the successful plays, and they kind of designed things that were comfortable for you.
2: How important has that also this year, the conversations daily, weekly with the coaches about an offense that suits you? your skill set is most
1: comfortable for you. Yeah, I think that's really important. I think that anytime you have communication, that's gonna help you. So I think that's something else we learned last year was just communicating, going through plays, um, how my brain works um, is different than other people's brain works on um, players and just how can I get to be the best me on the field? Well a lot of that's just being, you know, just not even thinking, just being able to play, read and react. So how do we do that? And that's what we talk through. That's what we study film on. I was able to study me playing at a very high level and not just read and reacting. And I know I've talked about it before, but it wasn't necessarily like a five-hitch throw like we draw it up in a playbook or like we try to do it in practice. It was five, slide in the pocket, step up, throw sidearm, or three, oh, balls out off your back foot. And they were good plays and I was able to see like I was playing with feel, I was reading and reacting. I was adapting to what the defense was doing and I I knew the concept inside and out and I was comfortable with it. So how do we incorporate that? And I think that I learned a lot about me as a player. I think the coaches learned a lot too about how to incorporate everything uh, to fit me, to fit our team. Um, And that's something that I'll take for however long I play this game is... The communication is key, but I also need to go into a game. I need to be comfortable with what I'm playing. I don't need to be like, all right, we're doing this formation. It's a new one. This is a newer concept. I've only ran it twice. You know, that stuff becomes a little difficult. Yeah, you're going to have those plays within a game plan for different scenarios, but the gist of your game plan, you need to be able to go out there and play because the defense, they're really good. This is the NFL. So they're going to give you different looks at times that you might not have studied, you might not have seen. They're going to try to throw you a curveball with a blitz, and you have to read and react because you haven't seen it on film yet. So that's where I think that that helped me a lot, and it will continue to help me throughout my career.
2: Nick, you about how coming off of the Super Bowl last year, you put some pressure on yourself, and that had something to do with, with maybe the way that you started. I'm curious about the – the the other effect of that, uh, the more positive effects of of having gone through what you've gone through, winning a Super Bowl, being an MVP, whether
0: it applies to uh, your confidence in, in your game or you know your teammates' confidence
2: in you.
1: Yeah, I think that um, it's more so just the life experience, uh, just going through all the just the the feelings of going, just the emotions, the way it sometimes it can be overwhelming, but learning how to deal with that. And obviously the confidence of going on the playing field through that stage and, like, what it took to do that. But then a lot of the guys that I played with are here. Like, we were in that huddle. We were going through the games in the playoffs. We were we were playing with one another, so we know how each other tick. Um, and I always talk about it. A lot of times the best team on Sunday, obviously pre- preparation, execution, all the things you're going to hear about, the general statements. But the thing that that's going to win is, like, the brotherhood, being able to fight through adversity, because I always say it will happen. You, there will be mistakes made, made. I might throw a pick. I might fumble. But what are we going to do? Like That's where we need to react and be confident and be positive as opposed to, oh, man, like we're in trouble. And that's what you see with this team. You know, happened last game. There was a lot of missed assignments. There was a couple turnovers. We didn't play our cleanest ball. But we were—we played well. We played at a high speed because we weren't afraid of making mistakes, and we were playing for one another. Defense was playing for offense. Offense was playing for defense. Special teams holds it all together. I mean, that's how we play. That's how we win. It's not going to be perfect, and I think we showed that last Sunday playing against an, a really good Texans team. It, you know, it takes sixty minutes and it takes everyone. But if you—if you have that brotherhood and you know how to fight through adversity, you can win any game. <laughs> two-minute drive into the game, you need points on the board. Would you characterize that as a fun experience in your career? Or how would you that, that that drive? That drive. Um, I think anytime you have a two-minute drive to win the game, um, the key, too, is just calming yourself down in a sense of saying, like, you don't have to win it all in one play. And I think, you know, knowing the situation, that is a time where you probably need to look at the clock and know your timeouts and know how to play it. Can I play the play or do I need to take a shot? Do I need to figure out a way to get the ball downfield or do we have some downs to go? Um, It's always a fun challenge because those are really the highest pressure situations there are in this game. So anytime you don't want to be in them every week because you'd want to win some games by a little bit more. But if you're in them, I mean, that's some of the most fun times because that's the hardest time because all the pressure's on you. You're deep in your own end zone or your own uh, red zone and you have to march all the way down the field to give yourself a chance to win and keep going. So um, playing this game, that's why a lot of us play it, is those high-pressure situations. And we, we had one last week, and we were able to come out on top. We a, little bit, a couple weeks ago about Carson being on the sideline and being around with the injury this time, it allows for that a little more. What
0: specifically has he been able to do during games on the sideline to help you?
1: Yeah, I mean, we come over, we all look at the the surface, we all look at the, the photos. Um, and we're able to talk. I always ask him and Nate, you know, what they see. Um, if there's anything they see from the DBs or from our offense, and we, I think the big thing once again is just communication. He understands it. Um, whatever he says, you know, I take the heart, just like I take whatever Nate says to heart. But a lot of it really is the support system. Knowing that you're not there alone, you're able to go through the pictures together, and uh, you have, you know, guys that we're in that room. We go through film together. We go through our our daily work habits together. And we're there for one another, so that's the big thing. And, as a follow-up to your connection, with <coughs> the,
2: the questions were different back in 2013, 2014. Do you appreciate it differently now, or was it simply winning the Super Bowl that has kind of changed everything? What do you do? You attribute it to what
1: was the first part of the question?
2: The 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 connection with Philly that's okay. changed since your first time around.
1: No, I mean it was uh, you know, it was here just from the the first time, just living here. Um, you know. The first couple years, uh, you know, really my wife and I were dating. We got married the third year she was out here, just living life out here. Also being an Eagle, um, being able to, you know, be the starting quarterback for the Eagle play. Um, just being a part of the city, uh, being a part of such an amazing franchise, such an amazing fan base. Um, and then, you know, when I wasn't a part of the Eagles anymore, I will say this, you know, people would always ask me, you know, where was your favorite place to play? And I always say running out of the tunnel in the link, there's nothing like it. Um, but at that time, I wasn't a part of the Eagles, and I I really thought that, that, you know, that was never a reality. I always thought that when I would come back to the link, I'd be a visitor, and I'd be the one that, you know, they were coming after and yelling at, and I never thought in my wildest dreams that I would be able to put back on the jersey and run through the tunnel at the link, and, you know, it's it's just been a, a just a big story of just enjoying the city, being a part of it, playing in the link, Getting to experience all the craziness and all the fun that goes along with it—it's um, it, been really special um, for for me, my family, my loved ones. Having my family come out, go to games, uh, get to go through the city, try all the great food, um, experience everything that it has to offer, be around the people, go to the zoo—you um, know, I've, you know, it's fun. Lily loves the zoo now, so she, you know, we we've been able to go a couple of times. So just enjoying every little thing has been really special. Redact, I'll, I'll do one more. You know, we always have, you know, a good run pass option. Um, You know, I'm not going to give the opponent any information because I think people are still trying to figure out the RPO world. Um, But we always, you know, we always have a lot of different things in our arsenal um, because we always want to keep the defense off balance. But, you know, I I know that, you know, Washington's preparing. I'm sure they're going to look at what I say, so I don't want to give them anything.
0: Mark, that is going to do it for the QB Scos show episode eight. Are we going to make it through this week with all of this daddy daycare going on? I'm going. I am going bananas just it's, trying to keep up with it's everything. It's
2: rough. We we had to stop and start this one a couple of times because apparently my daughter was having a trouble getting her teeth brushed. So yeah, <laughs> blood pressure a little bit a little bit on the high side today, but we're getting close. We're getting close. Hopefully, you know, we get through the new year. The kids get back to school and daycare and all that good stuff, and we can you know go back to doing the things we like to do during the, during the day, which is run right around San Denny. So. <laughs> Look,
0: you just got to be Nick Foles. You just got to live in the moment, not worry about the next one, and just find a way to get it done. So that's going to do it today for the QB's Go Show. Next up on Bleeding Green Nation, we're going to have the Kissed and Solak preview show. We've already had the BGN Radio preview show. Make sure that you check that out with John Stolness and BLG. May he forever reign. But that's going to do it today for the QB's Go Show.